There is, uh, just keeps, remain standing. There's a wonderful atmosphere of praise and faith in this place today. And I want you just to begin to speak in other tongues right now. You know where we're going with God. We're going to need to be able to speak in a flow of tongues to get the victory. And I want this place just to be filled strong tongues of faith. Let's fill this place with intercession. Everybody speaking in tongues. Just keep priming the pump until the flow comes. Don't be reticent. Don't hold back. Don't hold back the flow. Just let it flow. Let it go. Let it go. That's right. We're just going to keep on praying until that flow comes. It's like a sound of mighty rushing waters. Up there in the balcony, let it flow stronger, please. Stronger tongues. You're not going to get the victory with little whispers. And in meetings like this, you have an opportunity to lift your voice. Lift your voice. There's the flow. Keep going. Stir your spirit. He that prays in an unknown tongue. He that prays in an unknown tongue speaks not to man but speaks to God. Those of you praying in tongues right now, you are praying and getting victory in some areas of your life. You don't even know it. Those of you that are praying in tongues, if you've got the gift and you're not speaking, well then it's your loss. If you don't speak in tongues yet, you've never spoken in tongues, later on we will pray for you. But you can begin today if you're born again. Speak in other tongues. Let's get the spirit in ascendancy. Mysteries. God is stirring you. Prayers are going to the throne of God. You don't know how to pray for some of the stuff you're in. You don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit himself will pray through your spirit. And give you strength. And lift you and build you. Your biggest obstacle is your own spiritual limitation. Your biggest obstacle is your own spiritual limitation. And you can break out of your spiritual limitation through speaking in other tongues. It's the forgotten gift. It's the forgotten gift of the charismatic church. Hardly anybody speaks in tongues these days. Hardly anybody does it. Just a few words, perfunctory at the end of a song. Oh, God is restoring the power 
of the gift of tongues through his saints. Hallelujah. Let it flow and let it cleanse and bring revelation and victory in your spirit. Breaking out of the containment of your soul. The limitations of your mind. He who speaks in an unknown tongue. The spirit is praying and the mind is unfruitful, thank God. Because the church of today is too locked in its own mind. You don't need mind Christianity, you need revelation. And the spirit of God, as you speak in tongues, he sets your mind free. You begin to hear the word of God better. You begin to find your prayers, find their target in English after it. Oh, hallelujah. We're exercising the gift that came at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it was the manifestation of tongues that brought the power, the boldness and the strength that 3,000 people were going to get saved. We are the tongues talkers. It's speaking in tongues that launched the greatest missionary drive of the Holy Spirit in His church throughout the history of the church. Oh, hallelujah. The sound of mighty rushing waters. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Please take your seats. What we're doing is we're modeling in those few moments what's got to become habitual in our lives. And people have got out of the habit of speaking in tongues. Hardly anybody speaks in tongues on a regular basis today. And uh, we're meant to be a Pentecostal church, but I tell you, I know by the Spirit, hardly anybody in this church speaks in tongues on a regular basis. You say, how do you know? The Spirit told me. The Spirit, it's, it's just like it's there in the background or it's... They're a little bit here, a little bit there. And that's part of the weakness. We've got to be strong in word. And we are. But we've also got to be strong in tongues. Paul said to the Corinthians who are messing around with tongues. He said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Maybe that's what gave him the victory and the strength and the resilience so many times. As somebody who does speak in tongues on a daily, regular basis, I can tell you it's like breathing, it's like oxygen. You don't know it until you get in the habit of doing it. If you don't speak in tongues on a regular basis, then you're not aware of how it changes you, sensitizes you, opens you to the things of God, allows the Word of God to find a place in your heart, gives you the victory, gives you the wisdom, gives you the thinking. Allows you to be ahead of the game. Instead of reacting, you're, you're already proacting. So the speaking in tongues, is we need a restoration of speaking in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because it's on the wane in Pentecostalism and charismatics. It's hardly valued at all. 
but we're bringing it back. And those of us that speak in tongues regularly, remember, not in that old, tired old tongues that your mind can mimic, but you speak, every time you speak in tongues, <clears throat> you speak as if it was the first time you ever did it. You speak with faith. You don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. That's genuine speaking in tongues. So every so often we will model in services how to break through in tongues to encourage you in your personal and private devotions. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> next Sunday we have a very special guest that's going to be with us at the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. I'm especially looking forward to him being at the 7 o'clock service where he'll minister, minister probably more prophetic and ministry type. And that is our own general superintendent of the Elim movement, John Glass, uh, heads up all of the Elim churches in Great Britain. And Colin is his colleague on the NLT, what's called the National Leadership Team of the Elim movement. Um, if you've ever bought one of our direction magazines that we sell at the end of most services, John Glass always gives the uh, forward in, in that. So he's going to be with us for the whole day, well, 9, 11, and 7. So we're looking forward to that apostolic ministry coming to KT. <clears throat> but I'd like you in your Bibles, please, to turn to Galatians. <clears throat> Chapter 4 and verse 28. I want to minister tonight on the subject of handling your Isaacs. Handling your Isaacs. And as I was seeking the Holy Spirit early, well actually it was last Sunday night on my way home, I was seeking the Lord having, we had ministered on renewing your strength like the eagle. And I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to this topic of Isaac and the importance of Isaac to us today is, is tremendously important. In this day and hour, we need to know who Isaac is, what Isaac stands for, and also who he's not. And I'll be coming to this, he is not Ishmael. And we often focus, and rightly so, on Abraham. Because Romans chapter 4 tells us that Abraham is the Old Testament model for the New Testament believer. Paul uses him as the example. Abraham, Romans 4 says, is the father of all who believe. We are the sons of Abraham, male and female, doesn't matter. We are the sons and heirs of Abraham, we're told. And we walk in his footsteps. So many times we will minister on Abraham and what we can learn from him. But Isaac is just as important because Abraham's life with God had no focus if there hadn't been an Isaac. No focus. And Isaac is very important because God speaks to us through Isaac. And how many of you know, you are Isaac. If you're walking in the spirit, that is, you are Isaac. If you're walking in the flesh, you're more like Ishmael. But look here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, we are children of the promise. So according to Paul, those that believe, we are as Isaac. 
the children of the promise. So if we want to understand who we are, you say, well, who am I? I'm a child of God. Well, what does that mean? Who am I to be like? Who am I to model on? Well, yes, Abraham, your father, but not only the father, but the son. Isaac, we are Isaac, the children of the promise. But as we move on to verse 29, it says, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him, that's Ishmael, who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So Paul in Galatians makes it clear. <clears throat> he makes it clear that we are Isaac, that Isaac is characterized by being born according to the Spirit and also being a child of the promise. But we also in this passage see that even today, there is a battle going on in the believer's life and in the church's life, a battle between Ishmael or the spirit of Ishmael and the spirit of Isaac. And that the spirit of Ishmael, we'll look at what that means symbolically, persecutes Isaac. And therefore, in order for Isaac to prosper and grow and mature into everything that Isaac should become, Ishmael needs to be cast out of our lives. That's Paul, but we're going to go back now and find out a little bit more about Isaac and focusing more on Isaac than Abraham. Normally, I focus on Abraham. So let me just give you a, a little bit of a story, a little bit of a history of how this works before we start making the particular prophetic points that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us tonight. Genesis 15, 6. We're going to be in Genesis quite a while this evening. <clears throat> when God came to Abraham, he was a pagan. His father was a pagan worshiper. Abraham didn't know God. Abraham was... Uh, the first of that of those that would become the Jews. He was already a Hebrew from that tribe. And when God appeared to Abraham and told him to leave his house and his family and take a journey of promise to the promised land, in Genesis chapter 15, God makes Abraham's relationship with him focused and dependent on Isaac. In fact, Abraham even gets saved in the context of the promise of Isaac. We see in Genesis 15, verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliza of D Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one will not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed God, 
and he accounted it to him for righteousness. That verse, one of the most important verses in the Bible, Genesis 15, 6, that was the moment that Abraham was saved. And how was he saved? He believed the promise. God said, you're going to have a miracle, supernatural child of your own. And Abraham said, I believe. And God said, I count that to you as righteousness. In other words, Abraham, because you simply believe you've done nothing about the promise, you just simply with your heart believe my word, then your sins are forgiven you. You are my child. You are righteous before me. Abraham was guaranteed eternal life. Now, isn't that amazing? Paul will quote that in Galatians and Romans and say that was the moment that Abraham got saved. But isn't it interesting? Isaac's part of that. So Abraham was saved in the context of Isaac. Right at the beginning of his, if I can use the phrase, Christian life. You know what I mean? Right at the moment of his new birth. Again, you know what I mean? At that moment, there was a context. I have saved you to bring forth Isaac. So Abraham... When he came to God, there was a context. It wasn't he came to God and then later on. He came to God. In fact, his understanding that Isaac was going to come was good enough for God to save him from his sins. The reason I say this is that the whole meaning, now this is really important if you're taking notes, the whole meaning of Abraham's life and destiny was in this child of promise. I really want you to get that in your spirit. The whole meaning of Abraham's life and destiny was in this child of promise. Remember, we read in Galatians, Isaac. Now, it was going to be a long while till Isaac was born. And that process of trusting God when it didn't look like it was going to happen was going to cause Abraham many trials and temptations, some of which he would fail at, but eventually he would mature in his trust of God. Interesting, when we hear in Genesis 18, verse 10, we have the Lord in Genesis 18, verse 1, but we're in Genesis 18, verse 10. The Lord appears as the angel of the Lord to Abraham, and Abraham is welcoming him and looking after him and, and prepares a meal for him. And in verse 9, then they said to him, the angels and the angel of the Lord, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. That's in nine months' time. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. 
and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. The word or name Isaac means laughter. And here we see a response of Sarah when she heard that she was going to supernaturally give birth to a son, a son that had been promised. And she laughed to herself. Now, this wasn't the laugh of faith, but this was the laugh of unbelief. You see, she was living according to her natural limitations. She was living according to her natural limitations. And she was thinking according to her natural limitations. She was a prisoner of her natural limitations. And so when she heard that she was going to give birth, she laughed. And the laughter was one of natural limitations. She was not open to the supernatural or to the spiritual or to the fact that God was really alive. She didn't believe it would happen to her. And so she laughed. Often there'll be a time when God will speak to us corporately as the church or you as an individual. And when he's speaking to you, his promises, because how many of you know we live by the promises of God. Our life and the way that we're meant to live is by the promises of God. If you don't know the promises of God for your life, then how can you walk like Abraham walked? How can you be a child of the promise? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, God speaks to us today. Not just generally through his word, but also rhema words. God has a purpose and a plan for each of us as individuals that also links with his purpose and plan for us as a church, Kensington Temple, together. Which also links with his purpose and plan for all the other churches in London. That also links with his purpose and plan and promises for the whole of Britain and Europe. It's all interrelated because we are one body. And so God has a destiny. And he reveals step by step, we walk in the steps of Abraham, promises. When I was looking at this long, many years ago, a few years ago, and God spoke to me and said, well, what are the promises I've given you? And I thought, well, I, I don't really know. There's been some general promises. And he said, no, what have I spoken to you about your destiny, short-term, mid-term, long-term? And I thought, well, I've had a few prophecies in my time, a few words that are very close to my heart that I tend to go back. I've had a few visions, a few dreams, a few things, a few Holy Ghost desires. And the Lord said, well, where are they? And, I wrote, and he told me to write down the vision so I could run. Because the time was not yet for many of those things and still isn't. So write them down so that you can run, you can walk, you can go on the journey. So I now have a book, a prophetic book. And in it are all the things that God has spoken to me. Little things, big things. And put them in there. I have my promises. And when God speaks to you, sometimes, you see, he sees you already the real deal. Isaac was the real deal. 
And when God looks at you, many times he looks at you as you don't see yourself. And many times he will speak to you as he sees you by faith. Who was the God of Abraham of Romans chapter 4? Who was the God that God, who was the God? What was the characteristic of the God that Abraham believed in in Romans chapter 4? Well, Abraham believed God who gave life to the dead, number one. And number two, called those things that are not as though they were. That's what Romans 4 says. This is the God of Abraham that gives life to the dead. Sarah didn't believe that he could give, God could give life to her dead womb. He gives life to the dead. If you're going to know God, my friend, the true and living God, then you're going to have to know the God that gives life to the dead. And that begins with the fact that he gave life to the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. He died on the cross for your sins and carried the punishment that rightfully yours. But he didn't stay in that, that grave. He rose from the dead. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of the Christian faith has resurrection power. He gives life to the dead, Romans 4, number one. But number two, he calls those things that are not as though they were. As though they were. Not he calls those things that are not as though they one day might be. He calls them, he sees it now. This is one of the incredible things about God. Is that he, he, he is not limited by time or space. He is the alpha, but he's the omega. He's past, present, and future. Jesus is the same. He doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He, he doesn't change like we do as we go through time. He's the same yesterday as he is today. But not only today, he's the same in the future. So he can call things that are not as though they were. And so Abraham, uh, Sarah laughed. She laughed. She was going to get a son called laughter. But she laughed because of her limited natural understanding. God is looking for a supernatural people. I'm not just talking about people that love the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm talking about people that will live day by day supernaturally. That the fruit of their lives and their labors are supernaturally sourced, not naturally sourced. There's a lot that's about that is presented as coming from the Spirit, but is really just a natural counterfeit. And we have to be aware in our lives and take stock on a regular basis in our lives to say, am I Isaac? Am I living as Isaac? Or am I living as Ishmael that we'll come to? Now, in chapter 21, verse 7 of Genesis. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 5. Chapter 21, verse 5, Genesis. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Laughter, or Isaac, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his own age, old age. So the child grew and was weaned, 
And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And I'm going to come to the next verse. Wow, what a different laughter. This was the laughter of the Spirit. This was the laughter of victory. It wasn't the laughter of doubt or limitation. The laughter of, oh yeah, right. God's going to come through for me. Oh yeah, right. I can be this person that God's speaking me to be. Yeah, right. The laughter of mockery. The laughter of the flesh. Now, she had laughter that God gave her. You know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit falls in power, and people respond to the Holy Spirit many, many different ways, but sometimes when the Holy Spirit falls, sometimes people get joyful. Sometimes people respond to the work of the Spirit. They just feel so joyful. They, they just want to laugh. We had a little bit of an outbreak of that last week as the Holy Spirit fell. People began to laugh. It's a very appropriate thing. Sometimes, of course, people cry, and that's appropriate too. But God caused Sarah to laugh. It was joy of the Holy Spirit. It was the joy of the fruit of the Spirit in her life. God had come through for her. All those years of believing and trusting... And God came through in the end. And not only was she laughing because of God. God has made me laugh. Everybody else was rejoicing with her. You see, this is the essence of Isaac. Laughter. Joy is such a wonderful thing. I don't know about you, but I think I'm far too miserable, doctor. <laughs> I have a doctor, Taiwo, in my cell. And... You know, if I don't get the Holy Spirit, I probably... Have you got any laughter pills? Do you get laughter pills on the NHS? Uh, 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 if you come to see me. If I come to see you. <laughs> <laughs> laughter. When was the last time that you laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed? For whatever reason, not, not only the Holy Ghost, but when was the last time you just laughed? Have you ever been in a place where, again, because I don't want to over-spiritualize, some of us have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit bring joy, but let, let, let's just speak naturally. Have you ever heard something that was just so funny? It was just, or you saw something that just tickled your funny bone, and you just laughed and laughed and laughed, and you couldn't stop laughing. Isn't that a great feeling? The laughter is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful feeling. And when you've, when, when you've got that, but you just can't stop laughing. Oh, and afterwards, I know I'm talking about feelings, but so what, I'm a Pentecostal. <laughs> and after that laughing and laughing, how do you feel? Fantastic. Joy, laughter. Isn't it wonderful to be with people that are laughing and joy? Just imagine the situations, natural and spirit, where you're just laughing and there's joy and merriment in the right sense. Laughter. And, you, and it's just so wonderful. God gave us laughter. Some of the church needs to find that out. God gave us laughter. What do you mean? God gave us Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. And part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. And we're not talking about like the old conservative evangelicals used to talk about it. Deep joy. So deep, it never 
surfaced. <laughs> but how much of life robs us of joy, if we're honest? How, how much of life and trials and tests and you look out at the world... And I know that Jesus was also a man of sorrows, but he was also a man of joy. He says, is it possible to have both? Yes, it is. Because the joy comes from the Spirit. And so, speaking in tongues helps you keep a joyful attitude. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't bring misery. It brings joy, boldness, strength into our lives. And so laughter is very important. And we do need a breakthrough in this. And part of the way to keep a joyful spirit is to walk in the spirit. To deal with situations, not according to the flesh, but according to the principles of the spirit. Love, joy, patience, endurance, peace, generosity. The wisdom from above, James says, is first peaceable. When we walk according to the spirit and the spiritual principles, when we deal with situations in our lives spiritually, not earthly or worldly, we can keep our joy and we can deal with things that we wouldn't be able to deal with without the spirit. I look back at my life and I think some of the most miserable times of my life as a Christian was when I wasn't walking properly like an Isaac. In fact, if I'm honest with you, at times, I was walking like an Ishmael, an Esau. If you'd asked me at the time, I wouldn't have seen it. But I tell you what, we need to get rid and kick Ishmael out of our lives. It's never too late, friends, to be an Isaac. And so there's this wonderful picture of joy and laughter. And you know, it, it's true that mo- night can bring the morning. Morning t- can take place in the night. But at the dawn, joy can come. And God is saying that if we trust him and walk with him, even during the tough times, and walk by faith like an Isaac, there'll always be laughter at the end. I remember once in a difficult period of my life, when I was walking more of an Ishmael than an Isaac, God said to me, when it all went wrong, he said to me, say this, say I am Isaac. That's what he said to me. He said, say, I am Isaac. I didn't, I thought, I'm not saying that. <laughs> it's too arrogant. I am Isaac. Well, who do I think I am? I am, well, I am Isaac. I am Isaac. Behold, I am Isaac. I didn't want to say it. Well, that was because I was suffering from acting like Ishmael. But then, you know, I knew it was from the Lord, so I just sit in there. I went, I am Isaac. Satisfied? <laughs> Say it again. I, I am Isaac, meaning laughter. I'm so far away from laughing. I am Isaac. Say it again. I am Isaac. Keep saying it. I am Isaac. Keep saying it. I am Isaac. And I thought, oh God, this has got to go in my prophecy book. Put it in. I am Isaac. Got the date. And so especially during that season as I came back into line with the things of God, I began to say to myself, I'm Isaac. Something would come against me, and I think, oh my God, wait a second, I'm Isaac. Something would trouble me, some obstacle, some mountain would appear, and I'd be like, oh no, wait, I am Isaac. 
Everybody say, I am Isaac. I am Isaac. Say it again. One more time. One more time. You see how I felt, only you're saying it better. Feels good, doesn't it? That's because you are. We saw in Galatians that we are Isaac. God will bring us into joy if we walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, but the works of the flesh is misery. Misery. You look at the works of the flesh. Now, so this joy is there. Hey, but there's somebody out to ruin the party. It's dedication day. And Isaac is being brought to the platform at the 11 o'clock service. And everybody's up there. You know, treble the amount if it's a Nigerian child. (laughs) And there are, we're dedicating. And verse 21 of chapter 19. Oops, sorry. Where's my, it's been blown over, where am I? Sorry, chapter 21, 21, verse 8. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. So it's like dedication day. But listen, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, that's Ishmael, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing, teasing, mocking Isaac. So not everybody was joyful and laughing when Isaac was born because of Ishmael. Now, what was Ishmael? Ishmael is the exact opposite to everything that Isaac stands for. We saw that in Galatians 6. Ishmael. Ishmael should never have happened. Ishmael was a picture of human manipulation to get results. Sarah said, where's the boy Isaac then? Abraham, we can't be waiting on God. Maybe he's not true to his word. Maybe he's forgotten us. We'll sort this out another way. Take Hagar, my slave, and have a son by him. God had absolutely nothing to do with the birth of that boy, Ishmael. He would look after his natural needs and make him into a great nation, but he wasn't part of God's plan. And when Ishmael was born... Ishmael was the counterfeit Isaac. And so as soon as Ishmael saw the spiritual, supernatural, miracle child, the son of the promise, the son of the spirit, the work of God, immediately Ishmael began to mock, began to tease, began to put down, dismiss, belittle this child. But thank God, Sarah saw what was going on. And we read this in Galatians, and we read it now in verse 10. She said, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman will not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. Isaac then grew, and Abraham passed the test of sacrificing Isaac. Again, that was because he believed in the God of resurrection. God said, take your son Isaac on the mountain and sacrifice him. And Hebrews chapter 11 on the faith's hall of fame says that Abraham said, sure, I'll sacrifice Isaac because you told me and Isaac would be my seed. So God, if you tell me to sacrifice him, you'll just have to raise him from the dead. 
Abraham, by that time, was a mature believer. He understood the spiritual, supernatural way of doing things. So he took Isaac up. There wasn't one doubt in his heart that if he had to sacrifice Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. This is whom God believed, that gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. That's who Abraham believes. Is that your testimony? If I was to say, tell me about your relationship with God. Would the first thing you say, well, this I know, he gives life to dead things, dead circumstances. Things that are impossible with man, God can give life to. Things that just can't happen, God can give life to. Situations that are dead, situation that the devil seems to have destroyed, God can raise those things up. Is that your God? And if you say to yourself, well, not, well, I believe in that, but not really, you need to get back on the path of Isaac. Calls those things that are not as though, as though they were. Let's move a little bit more now into Isaac himself. What was the nature of this spiritual boy? We've already said that the whole, Abraham's whole life revolved around the birth of this son Isaac. His whole life and meaning was Isaac. And I put it to you. That we have been raised up, not only to be Isaac, but to see more Isaacs. In your personal life and destiny, but also as a church. I believe that God wants us not just to be Isaac, but also that he has Isaacs for us. To trust and believe and bring to birth, and also to look after. So who is this Isaac? Well, we see a wonderful picture of him in Genesis 24 verse 63. Isaac had his, has his Rebecca and they go out to find him a good solid wife and in verse 61 we see that Rebecca is being brought to Isaac but look what Isaac is doing when Rebecca comes on the scene. Genesis 24, 61. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came the way of Belahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there were the camels coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, it was love at first sight. Bruce Atkinson translation. <laughs> Do you know, Isaac was the only man that had one wife in the patriarchs. You see, he understood that it wasn't so in the beginning. And he loved his wife. And he had no other wife but Rebecca. This is the sort of loyal man that he is. Could have taken as many wives and concubines as he wants. And in those days of relative darkness, God allowed it to happen. It wasn't his first choice, but he allowed it to happen because of their immaturity. Isaac was well ahead of the curve. But he was meditating. Here, here he was. He, he went out to seek God. He went out to meditate. Isaac was a man of peace, prayer, and meditation. That doesn't mean that he was some sort of monk character. But what it meant was he understood that he'd been born spiritually. And he understood that everything that he would need to do in his life 
would need to be dealt with in the place of meditation, prayer and peace. He would refuse. He made one mistake, the mistake of his father, when uh, someone saw him cuddling Rebecca. They said, oh, you told us that was your sister. Because he was frightened. Like Abraham did, he was frightened that he'd get killed for his wife. He made one mistake, but generally speaking, when we look at Isaac as we are now, he walked straight in the spirit. Didn't do, didn't do as many failures as his father. And walked in the spirit. And dealt with crisis spiritually. Exhibited, exhibited the fruit of the spirit, we see in Galatians. Also exhibited the wisdom of God that we see in James. And he understood that his destiny began with God and would end with God. He knew he couldn't have been born without the work of God. And therefore he lived knowing that he couldn't live without the constant work of God. How many of you know who are saved here tonight? I know everybody's saved in different ways. And maybe you had a wonderful Christian upbringing and praise God for that. But some of you, you look at your life and you think, how could I ever have been born again? You remember what you were like. And you were so opposite to who you are now. And you know that God did a miracle to save you. Well, God will do a miracle to keep you. (laughs) Paul said to the Galatians church in Galatians chapter 3. You who began in the... In other words, you who were Isaacs. Are you going to be perfected in the flesh? Ishmael. You see, he was addressing... The Galatian church, he said, you were born as Isaacs, walking as Isaacs, by the Spirit, hearing with faith. The Spirit of God was amongst you in Galatians 3, with miracles, and signs, and wonders, and promises, and manifestations. And you lived your life in the Spirit. You walked by the Spirit. You didn't need any old religious laws, because you were set free with the law of liberty by the fruit of the Spirit. And you were Isaacs, and now you've become Ishmael's. He rebuked them. And Isaac understood that you have to deal with life spiritually. You have to turn everything right side up. And there is something inside of us. There's the, the old man inside of us that still tries to creep in. Or the old flesh, not the old man, but the flesh that is, that is Ishmael. And it's the flesh that wants us to do it the old way. It's the flesh that wants us to be bitter and harbor bitterness. It's the flesh that wants revenge. It's the flesh that rises up and says, fight, battle, gossip, bring down, manipulate, fight, make it happen. Someone mistreated you. Make sure that they are sorted out. It's the flesh. But look, Isaac was the exact opposite. And that type of lifestyle brings misery. But what did Isaac do? Well, in chapter um, 26, verse 1, first thing he learnt from the mistakes of his father, there was a famine in the land, Genesis 26, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So it was one after that, but like that. And Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt in the land which I tell you, shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. 
For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. I will, as I swore to your father Abraham, I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I'll give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So Isaac, in verse 6, dwelt in Gerar. So there's Isaac again. There's a famine and everybody's leaving. And God says, don't go by your natural senses. Don't make your mother's mistake. You were born of the Spirit. Don't you think I can keep you in the Spirit? Yeah, but there's a famine in the land. There's no food. I will be your source. Now, when Abraham went to the promised land, he was going into the promised land for the first time. Abraham, as he entered the promised land, everybody was leaving. He says, why is everybody leaving? Because there's a famine. You arrived at a good time. That was one of Abraham's tests. All those years on his journey to the promised land. He must have thought, what sort of land is this that God would get me up and take me to? He enters to the promised land and goes, here I am. Everybody, where are you all going? There's famine in the land. There's nothing here. And Abraham goes, thanks very much, God. Where are you going? Egypt. Egypt is a symbol of fleshly, natural provision without God. So Abraham went to Egypt and got into all sorts of trouble, but God got him out of it. But Isaac stayed. He believed God. You see, everything we need, the promises of God for us and our destinies, it's in God, not your natural circumstances, not people around you. And so often we put our trust in man. Or we put our trust in something working out in the way that we want it. Or we, we try and make it work like Sarah did. Or, or we try and look, instead of looking to God. The key thing about Isaac is he always looked to God. And, and look what happened. Okay, he made a mistake with his wife, but God got him out of it. But then in verse 12 of the same chapter. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Here we go. We've got the Ishmaelites again. Envy because of blessing. But hey, before he got the blessing, he had to stay in the wilderness. Before he got the, the blessing and God came through for him, he had to stay in the place that everybody was running from. It was like abandoned ship and he was the only one who stayed. And sometimes you will find yourself, listen to the spirit of God speaking to individuals. Sometimes you will find yourself in a place that is a spiritual famine or a circumstantial famine. And everything in you says, get up and make your way. The grass is greener on the other side. Get up and go. But the Holy Spirit says, stay. But God, there's a famine, a spiritual famine. It's all going wrong. It's not going as it should. Stay. And you stay. You face the trial. And everything around you says, no way. But something inside you says, trust me. Because the Christian faith, not about rules and regulations, it's about trust issues. Your trust issues with God. And Isaac's trust God. And he stayed. And he was prospered and he was blessed. 
But then envy came in again. There's the spirit of Ishmael coming in again. Do you know what? Rejoice in other people's success. Even if on the inside you don't like it. Be honest with ourselves. When someone rises and someone's preferred rather than you, get behind them. Be their greatest supporter, even if something inside you goes, should be me. Get behind them. Kill that thing. Because there's far too much of it in the church today. Get behind them. And sometimes God will bless or raise somebody up in order to deal with that, that Ishmael, mockery, grasping, jealousy. So when jealousy comes in your heart, don't worry. It's not wrong for jealousy to rise in your heart. It's what you do with it. And sometimes when jealousy comes up in your heart, what it is is God saying, I'm just showing you this so we can deal with it. And you can overcome jealousy. And if you're in a jealous, envious situation, trust me, if you face it head on with God and face the pain of it, you will come out the other side and it won't have any hold on you. It's a word for some people here uh, or some people today. So there was envy. But then the next test that reveals this incredible man of the spirit was this whole story of dugging wells. Verse 15, now the Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. The Isaacs go back to their forefathers and drink from the wells of their forefathers. You see, there's been Isaacs before us. The Western church is full of Ishmael spirit, self-serving Ishmael spirit dressed up and presented as Isaac. But there are Isaacs in other places of the world, and there are Isaacs in history. There are, there are, you just have to know the history of Kensington Temple to tap into the wells of the past. The Isaacs, and I'm not just talking about the founder, George Jeffries, or even the founder of this place, Horbury Chapel, when it was a church plant in the late 1800s. I'm talking about the nameless ones that sacrificed, prayed, believed God so that we could be where we are spiritually today. You see, an Ishmael will come and feast at the table of Isaac until there's nothing left. And the biggest danger of an Isaac move is the next generation comes Ishmael. You guys know enough about church history and the history of revival to know that an Isaac generation comes. But the trouble is, their children can be Ishmaels. And don't think that there's not a danger of loving Ishmael. Because Abraham loved Ishmael. He loved Ishmael so much, he actually prayed to God that Ishmael would be turned into Isaac. He said, oh God, that Ishmael would live before you. He prayed that God would accept his Ishmael. God wouldn't do it. You know, Isaac would suffer from the same problem. Isaac had his Ishmael, who was he? Esau and Jacob. And in that story, I'll just go and then I'll come back because we're going to start ministering soon. In that story, the, young, the elder will serve the younger. Jacob was the new Isaac, wasn't he? Now, Jacob, he, he was a twister, wasn't he? I mean, he, he, he used the Ishmael techniques and got into some trouble. I mean, 
it was the voice of Jacob, but it was the hands of Esau. And that was wrong. That was wrong because Jacob deceived his father for the blessing that rightfully was his. The blessing was his, but the way to get it was wrong. And he dressed up, he acted as if he was Esau, the one who sold his birthright. He acted, he wasn't Esau, but he acted like Esau. And sometimes we have the voice of Isaac, but we are using at the hands of Esau to get what we want. And sometimes the church speaks with the voice of Isaac, but it, its handiwork is the hands of Esau. And Jacob should not have done that. He should have gone to God. God would not have let him lost his inheritance, would he? God had promised him. So what Jacob was doing was doing his own Ishmael. And he suffered so long for that. No wonder he got his leer. He suffered so... It took him ages of suffering. Didn't he suffer? All that suffering he had coming back thinking that his brother was going to kill him and all that he went through. Why? Because he tried to get God's destiny through the work of the flesh. Ishmael, Esau. He tried to be Esau to get his Isaac blessing. And broke his father's heart. Abraham. Oh God, that Ishmael would live before you. What about Isaac? Isaac was devastated. It broke his heart that Esau didn't inherit. So even Isaac was susceptible to Ishmael. But finally, we see, and I don't need to make any more points, I don't think, except this. You go through those passages and look at how Isaac, he digs a well and people come and contend. Get off that sour well. He digs a well and people come. And what does he do? He says, have it. God is my supplier of wells. His whole attitude of walking with God was peaceable. He could have fought, he could have gone a different way, but he trusted God. I bet in those, those evenings of meditation, God said to him, don't fight this one. Have you ever been in a place with God where God says, don't fight this one? Sometimes he will say, go out to battle. But often it's the ones we want to fight that he says, don't fight this one. Don't fight it. Trust me. Yeah, but God, if I don't, if I don't act now, if I don't move now, if I don't, don't fight this one. Trust me. Trust me. And then you have a battle of the flesh and, and the Ishmael and the Isaac inside you. God is calling forth the Isaac generation. God is calling us to have the, the character of Isaac. The mentality of Isaac. God is warning us. Against calling Ishmael Isaac, saying, God, this is the blessing. Or saying that Esau is Jacob. He's warning us, don't be Jacob. Voice of the chosen one and the hands of the one who sold his birthright for his fleshly desire. God is wanting us to birth Isaac's. If I could have the band back, please. Isaacs, don't you want Isaacs to come forth in your life? You say, what do you mean Isaac? I mean that out of your life, your work, your gifts, your business, 
your ministry, yourself, that what begins to come are Isaacs, things of the Spirit, things of God, things that are answered by prayer, things that are born of faith, things that come out of the God that raises from the dead, things that God calls now that are not, but you believe, and one day you laugh because they have been manifest. God wants the Isaac, the, he wants the laughter. He wants the laughter of victory. We need to remind the devil that God will have the last laugh in our situations and circumstances that you're in right now. God will have the last laugh like Sarah. We don't want you to laugh. I don't want you to laugh out of fear or, or mockery, but to come to the place where you have the laugh of faith, where because of your experience and your testimony, that time after time, God will come through. No matter how hard it, go, it is at times or difficult to believe, you've already got the testimony. You're like David. He knew he could take the Goliath because he'd already taken the bear and got the last laugh. Him and God had a good laugh when that bear was slain. He'd already taken on that lion. And though it was difficult, him and God were laughing over the carcass. Look what we did together. And he knew that that Goliath was going to fall and him and God would be laughing all night. Laughing all night. The laugh of victory. God wants Isaacs. Not those that just laugh when you come through with the victory, but those are laughing before it comes. God wants a maturity, a laugh of faith, where you know that you will not lose because you're walking a different path now. You're walking the path of Isaac. Stand on your feet. You're walking as Isaac walked. You're not putting your trust in the things of the flesh, earthly manifestations, earthly manipulations, but you're taking things to the Father. You're believing God. Just lift your hands and connect to the God. Your Father, you are Isaac. You're going to go God's way and know that even if it looks like it's all going to go wrong, God will put you over. You're going to live by faith, walk by faith. And as you experience victories, as you experience victories, you see the ends do not justify the means. The ends do not justify the means. It's the means that means everything to God. Believing, trusting, loving, peaceable, wisdom. It's, it's how you do it means everything to God. It's not where you end up. It's how you got there that matters to God. It matters more how you travel on your journey than when you reach the destination. Oh, just begin to praise Him in other tongues, sing. Just begin, just let it flow. Children of the promise. We make a conscious decision to model ourselves on Abraham and his son Isaac. We renounce all fleshly ways and we rejoice in spiritual ways, the way of worship, and obedience, prayer, 
love, joy. We renounce those things. We renounce all bitterness, jealousy and scheming. We renounce plotting and backbiting. We renounce those things that sometimes arise in our lives. We renounce the ways of Ishmael. We refuse to be Jacob's with Esau's hands. We want to be Isaac's, Lord. Lord, we come to you for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing that comes. The Spirit of God, the sons of God and the Isaacs of God are led by the Spirit of God and empowered by the Spirit of God and do not resort to carnal means but are mighty in God for the weapons of our warfare are not Ishmael carnal but they are Isaac spiritual for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but principalities in high places that's where we do battle we do battle in the prayer place we do battle in the congregation place we do battle in the cell group we do battle on our knees and we keep Ishmael out we kick him out of our lives every day we make a conscious decision to cast out the fake the counterfeit even if Ishmael looks like Isaac we discern we discern give us the spirit of discernment the gift of discernment to discern in our own lives Lord what is of Ishmael oh God May we not come to you with our Ishmaels and ask you to bless our Ishmael plans and our Ishmael attitudes, Ishmael prophecies. Carnal, God, help us discern in our lives that which is of Ishmael, of self, of self-promotion, self-gay, self-centered, self-absorbed. Help us see what is not of the Spirit. Lord, help us discern the eyes of Lord. Oh, the eyes of Lord. Arise, Isaac. Arise, Isaac. Arise. Arise, Isaac. Arise, Isaac. We cherish the Isaac because the Isaac is sensitive like the Spirit of God is sensitive. Isaac was a sensitive boy. A sensitive boy sensitive to the spirit sensitive sensitive is Isaac sensitivity like the Holy Spirit like the Holy Spirit is sensitive and grieved Isaac is sensitive his heart is soft not hard soft to God soft to God soft to God soft to God Isaac arise and come into our hearts we were born Isaacs we were born again, Isaacs. We are Isaacs tonight. Isaacs, we are Isaacs. May we not go the way of Ishmael. May we not go the way of Esau. May we walk in the spirit of Isaac, meditating in the evening, praising in the morning, lifting up our prayers, worshiping the Lord. Praying through to victory. Oh, crucifying the flesh. Resurrection power. Submission to God. 
submission to God's authority. Oh God, let us trust the Abrahams in our lives. The Abrahams, let us trust them with our very lives. Let us trust them with our very ministries. God, the fathers of the house, the mothers of the house, the fathers of the house. Oh, may we like Isaac be led on the mount of sacrifice, putting our hands and my lives in the hands of Abraham. God, turning it over to you, Lord, turning it over to you, renouncing dark ways. Oh, the joy of the Lord. That's where the joy is. That's where the freedom is. The law of liberty. The law of liberty. Freedom and joy and peace. Peaceable. Peaceable. Dealing with our circumstances on our knees. Not with our fists. Or with our tongue. A fire of hell in circumstances. No, on our knees before the throne. Boldly coming to the throne of grace. Boldly. The grace awakening. The grace. He can't touch grace. He can't touch mercy. The enemy can't touch love. Can't touch prayer. Can't touch mercy. Can't touch submission. The enemy can't handle it. Oh, 
Got the ministry team at the front. Oh God, come with your glory and your power. Come and encourage your Isaacs tonight right where they are. If you've been, if you if you if you've been in a place where you've been under the oppression of Ishmael in your life, I mean you've been in a dark place. You've been, you've been, you've been thinking, my God, I've been doing it all wrong. My God, I, I want to be eyes. I've been, do, I've been, I've been. I need, I need a breakthrough. I want, I want this. I want to walk in this. I want to transform. I want to be who I really am on the inside, Isaac. And you, you, we're going to pray for you here at the front, and we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to like jumpstart you. You know what I mean? Like a car that won't work. We're going to take God's electric power, and we're going to lay hands on you and jumpstart you back into the engine of God. And we're going to worship the Lord right now, and we're just going to do business with God and get ourselves Isaacs. We're going to walk out of this place, Isaac. There's not going to be an Ishmael in the house. We're going to praise the living God. We're going to worship. We're going to free ourselves. We're going to lift ourselves. We're going to rejoice with laughter and joy. Laughter and joy music. And as we do that, come out. Get hands laid upon you. It doesn't matter who lays hands on you tonight because God is doing the laying on of hands. God is doing the laying on of hands. Let's take it further and higher. Let's go. 